uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. If it's your first time here, this music podcast is all about just bringing anyone from the industry on. They could be a band, they could be a manager, they could be someone from a record label. We get them on here, we interview them, and we chat about the music industry. It can be from anywhere in the world. Obviously, thank you, Zoom, for uh, connecting us all together. The pandemic, that sped all of that up, the technology that we've got now. Uh, we've had bands on like Mill and Colin. We've had Pennywise on the show. We've had Frank Turner on the show. If you love your punk rock, it's, uh, it's pretty heavy on punk rock bands, and that's because uh, partly because I just really love talking punk rock. But we have... You know, we have soul singers, we have acoustic performers, we have the lot. Anyone that I think is going to be an interesting conversation or, you know, has something to say, I try to bring them on here and get their story. Today is a real uh, treat. Actually, Blink-182, they're coming to Australia next week and we have got their old manager. He's not old, he's like 50, you know. That's <laughs> not. I don't mean old that way, but what I mean is... We have got the manager that they've had right throughout their careers up until recently, Rick DeVoe. He was there through it all, through Enemy of the State, the big blow up with when they dropped all the small things. But even before then, with Cheshire Cat, with Dude Ranch, with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. He was in the trenches with Blink-182 for a very, very long time. And we've got him on the show today. He has such a great story too, and his footprint in the punk rock scene will forever remain. He basically, bands like Pennywise, Blink-182, No Effects, he was around those guys when they all sort of blew up. And one of the ways that he sort of helped the scene was by connecting punk rock music with surfing videos. And that's where Blink-182 got their first start. Their music was getting played in surf videos, Pennywise as well. And then from there, they would go on and play shows to the crowds or the audiences that liked watching these surfing movies and didn't mind the soundtrack as well. Uh, Rick DeVoe, he's a keen surfer as well. So he would find coastlines that he wanted to surf and he'd bring the fans with him and play shows there and surf during the day. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Uh, he eventually brings Blink-182 over to Australia and within six months, they go from a band that is playing like first or second on the bill in Australia to six months later coming back and doing headline shows when songs like Carousel are popping off and, and Damn It and obviously later on, all the small things, first date, all of those tunes. And it was such a cool time to get Rick on because he's currently in the studio for the next two weeks with uh, the guy from Sublime and a few Grammy Award winners. And they're all sharing stories and recording and having a great time. They're just north of Mexico at the moment. So this one is probably one of the longest episodes that we've had on the Street Press podcast, but I promise every minute's worth it. I think, anyway. I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> this is Rick DeVoe. He is the manager to the stars. Let's bring him on. This is my interview with him. Rick, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, Sean. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. I'm glad that uh, we've been able to get you on. You're in the studio at the moment, are you? Yes, I am, actually. Um, you can see behind me, that's uh, Rome Ramirez right there from Sublime. Oh, wow. <laughs> In the flesh. Yeah, that's him. He's recording a record for, um, he produced an album for an artist that I'm working with too. I, I work with Rom and his name is Sully. And we have a project coming out called Sullivan. He's, he's an older gentleman and he has a 10 piece band. And we literally have in that room, we've got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers drummer, Steve Ferroni, Nathan East, who is Shania Twain. He's, he's leaving to go play with Shania Twain on the Super Bowl. Um, we have Gabriel McNair from No Doubt. Like, this album is crazy. 
it's coming. It's going to catch people off guard. So we're out here in uh, El Paso, Texas for two weeks in this beautiful studio and just laying down a record. Your whole career, you've sort of been around such high caliber of musicians and whatnot. What's it like? Is it you still get the buzz being in the studio, obviously, with these guys? Is it, does it still blow you away? Yeah, it, it does. I, I mean, having breakfast, I'm, I'm, I'm at the breakfast table this morning with Steve Ferroni. And if you look him up, you, you will trip out. He was telling me how he met Bob Marley and toured with Bob Marley <laughs> and how his band opened for Bob Marley. And I'm sitting here just going, I'm like eating my breakfast. I'm like, what the, how did I get here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how is this even possible? And then prior to that, I was having coffee with Rome and we were talking about kids and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, I pinch myself. I don't know. I, I don't know all this because I just, I'm a surfer and I, I like music and, you know, 25, 30 years later, I'm still doing this. It just blows my mind. When you're hanging out in the studio like you are now, do they lean on you? Do they ever go, hey, Rick, you know, does this sound all right? Well, you know, when it all comes together, because, you know, I'm I'm kind of more like in the studio, I don't, I'm like just wallpaper, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's not what I do. You know, I don't know how to make records. I don't know. But I do know how to put things together. I do, I just see things like, hey, let's put Sully with Rome and Rome could bring this guy. And all of a sudden, everyone's into the idea. and next thing you know we have a project so but when it comes to making the record i just sit there man i don't say anything until it all comes together and they look at me like it's hooky huh it's catchy huh you like those cats because they know that's stuff that i can then take to the label and i'm gonna be the you know i can i can make it happen but what happens in these rooms i don't have anything i'm always i'm just there for support um but it's really cool for me to, you know, I'm out here for two weeks, you know, I'm, I'm living, I'm living in my camper van right outside that door. And we're just here and there's nothing around the Mexican border is a mile and a half down a dirt road that the, the fence goes through the property. It's like, so I ride my bike down there and it's just like, it's Juarez, Mexico. It's one of the most dangerous places in the world is right there. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just really bizarre. And this studio, the guy, it's like this crazy creation. We're, we're on a pecan farm and it's 2000 acres. The guy sells pecans and he has his hobby is to build this studio. And he built his, all these studios here and they're yeah. like, some are underground. He's got these, just every instrument you can imagine. And he's got crazy paintings. And I don't know. It's pretty trippy. And they make you dinner every night. They fold your laundry. Like you're never hungry. Unreal. You look well looked after. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're getting hammered in Southern California right now, like, you know, crazy rainstorms right now. So it's all sunny here and nice. So a little creepy, but you know, it's nice. <laughs> hey, you get around a bit. You were just uh, in Mexico doing a bit of surfing and we we're trying to get the interview going then. And then you, I know you, you're on the move all the time. Yeah. I, I just got to keep moving, man. Got to yeah. keep moving. I love surfing. And um, yeah, we have a, we have a house down in um, mainland Mexico and, you know, we go there every holiday and just surf our brains out and have a good time. And but I knew this trip was coming right after that. So um yeah, just in work mode and it's good. It's, we're getting ready for uh I got a lot, you know, I managed four bands and um we got records coming out, I got South by Southwest coming up, like my my touring is just like you know, it's cr- pretty crazy. I, I get the touchdown for about a week and a half when I get back and then do Valentine's day with, with my wife and, and then like just back on the road, you know, with my other bands. So you gave me a great gift a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to you about the bands you're looking after and sitting on Stacey's is a band I'd never heard of before. And as soon as I heard them, I was like, wow. And I had to play them on this podcast that week. I was like, these guys are incredible. Uh, they're so young, but they've been around for so long. Geez, they're an amazing band. Oh, yeah, they've got a very interesting story. As a matter of fact, Tokyo, uh, Rome, right behind me, produced that that okay, single. Yeah. Um, we did that in Nashville. I also brought in Pierre Bouvier from um, Simple Plan. Is he on that song? He's on the song Creme Brulee. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I love that one Creme too. Creme <laughs> Yeah, so um, our record's coming out February 23rd, and uh, the boys – 
been working on this record for a while. It's the mm. pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID <laughs> album release. Um, they're just frothing to get out. And um, we got some good tour. We're going out with this band called Surfer Girl, which is pretty sick. And and we're doing some dates around that release. And um, these guys are just pumped. The record is it's, it's awesome, man. But they've got a great story. They they were uh, discovered by the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, on on uh, TikTok or something, and they Joe Jonas reached out. And he's like, "Hey, I got this uh, record label, and and uh, would, you know, I want to talk to you guys." And they're like, "Yeah, who's this? Like, who's this? Yeah, what? Yeah, right. You know." And they thought it was just a joke, but it, it turned out to be them. And fast forward, gosh, man, I had the band touring with the Jonas Brothers in America and in Mexico. I mean, we're, we're playing these arenas in Mexico City and Monterey with oh, Jonas Brothers. And it was like, basically, it felt like it was our own show. It, it literally felt like it was our own show. Like, they've done some fun things. and um, But this this is, this is record's their record, so. Does it give you an extra boost when you find a new band like Sitting on Stacey? You know, like, uh, you've been around, you've been a manager of bands for so, so long. And then you, you find another, you know, another gem, another diamond. Like yeah. Always got to keep looking, Sean. You got you, you got to keep looking for new new music, right? Although I found myself today, just I, I was out there. We're all hanging out. Just it was around four o'clock. Rome cracked a beer. We're I'm sitting there with Nathan East. He, you know Nathan East. He's 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 gonna be on the Super Bowl. Like he's playing him and his son. His son is recording on this record too. Noah East. They're playing with Shania Twain at the Super Bowl, and we're just sitting there listening to the specials. So I mean, I'm like going back. You know, and then I found myself listening to The Cure today, and I'm like, "Yeah, this new stuff's great. I love it." But I just I can't get it. I always go back to you know listening to the specials or or something like that. I don't know why. It's just my comfort. It's fun finding new bands. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I kind of like see it as my own challenge. I just I love to be that guy in the group that's like, "Hey, you heard of this band?" And then like a few heads turn and they go. Oh wow, they're you know they're all right. Like it's, it still is an exciting thing for me. Yeah, because if if you say that and they get big, you always have that claim. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, when you think about managing bands and stuff, why did you start doing this? Why did I start managing bands? Well, I, I started first as a promoter, and I got into promoting uh, because I'm a surfer. And I just started throwing surf movie premieres and then the bands on the surf movies, the soundtracks started like, you know, approaching me, Hey, will you help us out? Will you get us some shows and, and things like that. And, and then I became a promoter and I met a lot of cool bands. <clears throat> and then my first band I ever managed was a band called Unwritten Law. Know them well. Yeah. And, and I managed them for a while and they're awesome punk rock band from San Diego. And we did some really fun stuff. Like I helped them get, you know, their first shows out of San Diego. I, I remember in particular, we got them, uh, because I was a promoter, I had relationships with the agents and all the other bands. And I was promoting like rancid and offspring and no effects and, and all the, all the iconic, uh, nineties punk bands. Um, not Green Day. Uh, I didn't have them until later, <clears throat> but like Sublime, no doubt. You know those bands. So I was, I was getting all these cool bands. They were small. They were only drawing like four or five hundred people, and so the bands would come to me, and 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 then I started kind of marrying up like the band with the surf movie, and then like oh I'm gonna throw a show, and then I started promoting shows that weren't surf related, just kind of regular and. And then next thing I know, um, I'm managing under in law and I'm placing them. I got them their first show in LA with Rancid at the Whiskey Go-Go. And then Las Vegas, Phoenix, Arizona, you know, just kind of trying to set some fence posts like outside of San Diego. And I started gaining some traction with it. The, it, it really was taking off. Uh, under in law was getting popular. Warp Tour was around. Punk rock was really starting to flourish in the mid nineties and being a promoter, I worked for, I actually ended up working for a big promoter in San Diego named Bill Silva. Super cool dude, super smart. Gosh, man, he was promoting like 
everything from small clubs to like the Rolling Stones and like where the San Diego Padres played, you know, everything. So I, I kind of ran the club division. And so all of a sudden I had this like ability and budget to like, Oh, I, I'm going to do a show. I'm going to put a show together. And I would just be like, all right, the Vandals, uh, let's call unwritten law. Let's call incubus. Let's call, you know, and, and we just stack these bills together and I have the flyers. Like I still have them, you know, you're just like, sublime incubus blink you know what i mean like hmm. at a 500 cap it's room like a dream lineup it's like it's just crazy <laughs> to think and, and then you're talking about 500 cap rooms you know <laughs> you couldn't do that now they were just like any other band yeah. that was yeah. struggling you know they showed up with one guitar and their mom's station wagon you know i mean I, I worked real closely with mike mikey from incubus and mikey actually ended up I hired him to be my flyer guy for LA. So is he designing the flyers or is he taking the flyers around and putting them on? No, no. I would have at my, when at Bill Silva, we had a graphic artist. So I would just, you know, get the flyers and ship them up to LA. I'd get them to him and he'd go <laughs> hang out at like all the seediest freaking venues in Hollywood. Wow. And he'd be like, all right, dude, I, I hit the descended show or I hit the, you know, the circle jerks or I hit, you know, like, you know, Jane's addiction played or, you know, whatever it was in the nineties. I don't remember rage against machine just played, you know, a 1500 cap club or the Hollywood palladium. And, and he'd be out there and pay him his hundred bucks, you know? And and then I used to promote incubus too in San Diego. And it was really great. They really helped me out two years ago. Uh, it was so cool, man. I mean, years have gone by, you know. They were going on tour with Sublime, and I just hit them all up. I'm all, I was like, man, it'd be so cool if you could put this girl band I managed called the Aqua Dolls oh, yeah, on your yeah. tour. They're like, let me send me some clips. And they came back, man, we thought about it, dude. We love you. And hell, you can have the whole tour. I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> it was like that easy. You know, it yeah. was just like, solid dudes in incubus those guys are so pro watching every one of those i mean jose brandon i don't know they're just incredible show and then i'm on tour with sublime with rome there's eric wilson and rome and gabriel um carlos uh you know gabriel i've been sitting there just because i i promoted no doubt a bunch of times in my earlier days and so i knew gabriel from no doubt and i'm like all right dude what's the latest what's the latest scoop on gwen What's going on in her world? Because he he's he tours with her. Yeah, right. And they well, they're back now too. And no doubt is back. And I believe yeah. they're playing Super Bowl because um I think they are, but Gabriel's flying here for one night to record on this record. Okay. And he's going straight to Super Bowl. We have two Super Bowl players on uh, that are recording in this record. Yeah, right now. We have Nathan East and, and his son Noah, actually three, uh Nathan and Noah, and they're gonna play with Shania Twain. And then Gabriel is going to play with Gwen or no doubt. I'm not sure if it's going to be, you know, what it is, but that's kind of trippy when you think about that. And let's run right now. Hold on. Let's see. Let me see if I can give him the wave. We're looking around the studio now. Oh, tapping. Oh, soundproof. Hey, he's waving to you. Oh, he's waving. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That is awesome. So, uh, engineer, he's just sitting in here. His, his name's, uh, Jerry. This morning, we're, we're just like, and then the intern girl the, or the 20-year-old girl who's, who's working here, she's like, hey, did you hear Jerry won two Grammys last night? And I'm like, Jerry, our engineer? She's like, yeah, <laughs> he won two Grammys. So I walk in there. I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, hey, how you doing, boy? And I'm like, uh, congratulations. And he's like, oh, <laughs> so thanks, he's like, man. He's I'm not like, there. He's, he's hanging out with you guys. Like, I mean, so we've got. Super Bowl people, we've got freaking Grammy winners here. We've got, I don't know. It, You're in good company. This album is crazy. I've, it, to be honest with you, I, I've never in my entire career <coughs> um, have had a you know a lineup like this. I remember with Blink, we had Robert Smith come on. That was really cool. That was um on the self-title, I believe. Um, It was on self-title, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, you know, he wasn't at the uh, at the Grammys. Like he just loves music so much. Just has to be in the studio. Like who cares? What's and the not Grammys? one, but two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we're at dinner the other night, and you got to understand. Like, so we're sitting there eating dinner with all these players around this round table, candlelit dinner, very low light, just listening to the rock mm. and roll stories. The guys here, Nathan East, oh, and Greg Fillinganes. We have 
Stevie Wonder's guy. Hmm. They're sitting here, but Greg Phil and Gaines on keys, Nathan East and C. Ferroni, they all recorded Billie Jean for Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. And then they were playing it the other night. It's, just, it's, a, it's a wow moment, isn't it? Like your head must nearly explode when you're sitting there, you're watching that happen in front of you. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like, wow, hanging out with Fat Mike got me all the way to here. <laughs> hey you were talking about the surf movies and uh i'd like to slightly touch on that they were just so instrumental in bringing punk rock to the level that it got to right they they sit parallel these surf movies and the and the uh, and the punk rock music almost the same as like the games like tony hawk's pro skater i know that that helped out a lot of punk bands but uh it was uh, that's amazing to see and you were there basically putting it together so i was looking at some of your past guests and one in particular caught my eye and this band was really this band that I'm about to tell you. And this other band called the untouchables were in the mid eighties on a soundtrack called beyond blazing boards. And the band was called the hoodoo gurus. Oh yeah. yeah. And I saw that yeah. and the hoodoo gurus were on this surf movie called beyond blazing boards with the untouchables and in the 80s when i was like 15 you know we're watching aki you know the pride of australia and just listening to the soundtrack on these vhs tapes you know like over and over and over again and those songs are just so iconic uh in the hoodoo gurus ganga jang uh some of these iconic australian bands that even to this day i listen to them when I got into, I was in high school at that time and those songs were so crazy. And then I started putting on some surfing, surfing, uh, some competitions. And then in the early nineties, it led to surf movie premieres, but then a, a movie guy named Taylor Steele came out and created, uh, these momentum movies. And those are the ones that I put the tours together for in Australia with Pennywise and Blink and in the, in those bands, Body Jar and, friends will rom and you know some of the classic aussie bands but i got all of my footprint like my i mean my blueprint on how to do these surf tours was based off of chris bystrom's movies beyond blazing boards from the 80s that had the gurus and the untouchables and then i just modernized in the 90s and put in the punk rock bands and that's where blink was birthed was from there so that's such a cool little I – mean, there's no way I would have thought that the Hoodoo Gurus sort of inspired what you did with putting punk rock music in because uh, the Gurus are awesome, man. Like, uh, And another thing yeah. I'm also amazed by is in Australia, we've got heaps of big Australian bands, but you always often wonder how much they cared about overseas. I know Men at Work were big in excess. Uh, in excess. Yeah, over in America, but – I know that Hoodoo Gurus, they tour America a lot, but I wasn't sure on how big they are, but it's... A- yeah, no, like for me, the Gurus, Gang Jang, uh, excess, like you said, In Minute Work. Now, those four were the 80s, the mm. big 80s one for me. The 90s punk bands, Bajar were awesome, those guys. Yeah, yeah. But the band that really in the 90s and, and, and 2000s for me was the living in. Like, yeah. Like, hands down. One of my all-time favorites, yeah. I don't know. I haven't really talked to those guys. I put them on a lot of tours in in America, but that band was incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of miss that band. I don't know what happened to them. The way Chris can play the guitar, the singer, yeah, the way he does and sing at the same time, I've always just looked at in amazement. And they're all three of those guys are just so incredibly talented. Well, I, I really always, I mean, who didn't like the Stray Cats, you know, and yeah. they just had like their modern take on that. And, you know, and I just had flashbacks of living in on tour and I don't know. It was just, it, it was, it's, it's really bitching. I, I like living in They They were awesome. I, I mean, I don't even know if they're still a band anymore. I haven't seen them or. They are, they are. They're still going and uh, they're still playing all the time in Australia. Yeah. Wow. I haven't been in Australia in a while. I, I, I got to get back. I was going there a lot with blink this is what i was going to get to australia has such a big part in their story you brought them here i mean take it away <laughs> what, what happens once you get here you know it, it all really started from my obsession uh with surfing and i just was like wow I, I i can 
I can get these territories excited about my bands because punk rock was really starting to get, it was like, if it's punk rock, cool, we'll, we'll take it. Give me all the punk rock you can give us. So I convinced um, <clears throat> Pennywise's agent to put a package together with uh, the bands from the surf movie. And we also had the surfers with us. So we all flew over. It was like freaking 30 of us flying from LAX to Sydney. Um, actually, I think the first place we landed was in Sydney. I think it was actually uh, the Goldie. Fletcher Draggy from Pennywise, like bringing a CO2 cartridge B- Uzi BB gun. And, and it goes right <laughs> through customs. And they open it up and look at it. And they're like, what is this? And, you know, and we're like, take it away, take it away. I had Fletcher on the show about two months ago and he brought it, he brought up the BB gun. The <laughs> I'm, so gun. Glad. Yeah. I'm glad he's not, yeah. he wasn't lying. <laughs> no, no, that thing, hurt. that thing hurt. Oh. It was like, it was painful, but Pennywise guys, uh, they really got what I was trying to do and really trying to, I mean, it's so hard to take an unknown band mm. on tour, let alone take an unknown band on tour overseas and pay them like just yeah. like doesn't even happen anymore and so we took them over there and we were so the australia law was you had to have one australia band for every american man so we had band number one which was uh grinspoon oh yeah band number two blink band number three body jar band number four pennywise and that was the lineup and that was the tour and we toured all over the place, you know, in every single town, including Perth, even Western Oz, um, which I just remember was the weirdest place ever. Perth and Anchorage, Alaska have a lot in common. Just a lot of people walk around like, <laughs> it was weird. But that's how it was in 95. But it was like, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. We're, we're staying at the Ritz-Carlton. So, you know, we have no business in the Ritz Carlton. I mean, we're hanging out drinking VBs and the jacuzzi and we're up there talking to all these like traveling backpackers and, or I don't know, remember people are just traveling and we're on the Ritz Carlton jacuzzi. And I remember I had to keep getting, you know, get up, go pee, get up and go pee. And after about an hour and a half, I'm like, Hey Fletcher, I just realized something. You're not getting up to go pee. And he just starts laughing. I'm like, you son of a bitch. He's sitting in his face. In the Ritz-Carlton jacuzzi with all of us in there. We're just like, ah! Uh, and he's a big guy. could put away a lot of drink. Yeah, that was fun. But that tour literally just set us up. You know, with Blink. Set us up. And we were signed to an indie label in San Diego called Cargo Records, which had some sort of a affiliation with mushroom we go over there and next thing you know you know like uh mushroom starts paying attention to us and then so that was in december and i'm like we gotta go back so i got him back there like the following may and we did our own headline tour that's incredible to think in just so many months from december to may six months you've gone Uh from being the second band on the bill of a four band bill to yeah. coming back to the country that you didn't even think anyone would know them to all of a sudden headlining. That's a, a remarkable turnaround in six months. Oh, it's insane. And, and I think our first single, I mean, we got, we were first really discovered in Australia first. I mean, where we got like real success, like they were playing San Diego. Yes. They were playing San Diego at, at a club called Soma, but on the side stage, not even the main stage. And, Mike Halloran, very famous DJ in San Diego on 91X, he played M&M's. But Mushroom, uh, Liza Birmingham and Damien and gosh, all the people at Mushroom, they like took it like for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Apple, I think Apple Shampoo was the second single. And I mean, it, it was nuts, dude. Like we were just like literally selling out It'll be this December will be the 30-year anniversary of when I took Blink to Australia. Incredible. I love this story, and I just want you to sum this up. What did you do with your first big paycheck, and what did Tom do with his first big paycheck? Because it was a story after you guys got a bit of publishing money in. You were sensible with your share. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I remember. Um, 
Yes, we did. We got a publishing deal with EMI. And uh, that was like in 90, 97, 1997, 98. And we got paid. It was like my first check. I was like, whoa, I think I, think I got like a $10,000 check. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he got obviously more. And I went out and I bought a house with it. Like I put a down payment. I called Taylor Steele's mom as a real estate agent. I'm like, I want to buy my first house. And I bought an ocean view house in San Diego for $196,000, 10 grand down. And that was now San Diego is the most expensive city in the United States. That would yeah. never happen. My wife kicked me every day because I sold the house. And Tom went out and bought like a, a wicked stereo system <laughs> from circuit city. Do you spend like the majority Dumb of the- <laughs> that is so good. I love that so much. Now he owns like a 40 bedroom house in Rancho Santa Fe. I don't know. It's a palace. Um, yeah. I, I, I put on your Chronicles the other, the other day. Are you still doing any videos yourself? You know, with oh. bands and stuff. Cutting That's some funny. Video? Um, you brought up the Urethra Chronicles. So my buddy, Devin, he's a chiropractor and and I hit him up. I'm like, dude, I, I kink my neck and I need your help. And so I go over there and he gives me adjustment. I look over on the table and there's a Urethra Chronicles VHS <laughs> sitting there. And I go, whoa, dude, that's weird. Like, why do you have it? He's like, no, yeah. no, Chris, Chris Cote had this or, or someone was selling it. I don't know. They found it. Someone was selling it at a garage sale. <laughs> so they grabbed it for me to give to me. Yeah. I still got the original. Yeah, there were, it was an original VHS. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't picked this up in like 20 years. And I'm looking at it, you know, it's so big and weird looking. And the, you know, my name's on it. And, and it was kind of sad because the guy who uh, I worked on the film with, Jeff Motiel, uh, he passed away last year from fentanyl. Oh, Shit's real. Wow. And uh, that was really sad. Um, and he worked on that whole movie with me. And, you know, we had weeks of sitting in the control room making that and laughing and his nickname was dark chocolate and it was really sad but when i saw his name and everything yeah i was like kind of heavy so i i told my kids i'm like have you guys ever seen this because like i never wanted them to see it because it was like you know like now they're in their 20s and now i'll be like you gotta watch this pretty funny i got a gold record for that yeah a certified gold record award yeah, oh, it's it's a great doco, and it inspired a lot of people, I think, to take up music. Watching those, watching Blink get around in their tour bus and stuff, it was it's yeah. Phenomenal. I, I shot it, you know, because I was hanging out with Taylor Steele so much. I basically was like stealing his like style of how he filmed surf movies, and I kind of like was looking at through the lens of how Taylor would film a surf movie. If you can take me back to. That crazy period between 99, 2001, it just seemed like pop music was going off, pop punk music was going off. It was a crazy time for all the bands like Limp Biscuit. you know. Obviously, you were right with Blink-182 at the time. What was it like seeing them go from those small shows, those small venues, to all of a sudden all the small things comes out and they're the biggest band in the world, and they truly are. And I mean that. We we know what happened. They were the biggest yeah, yeah. band in the world. What was that time period like? Yeah, you know, it it seemed at the time like it was just it was just like gigantic, you know, like it, but at the same time, we were still like, how like wait, how what what? You know, like I, I just wanna give props to uh you know, I, I felt like I chose wisely um when we had when all these record labels were courting us, uh, you know, we had Epitaph, we had, uh, Interscope and, but MCA records came to the table and I sat down with Jay Boberg, the president. And, 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 you know, when I sit with the, when I sat with these guys, I, you know, I'm like 24 years old, you know, I'm just like interview, you know, like interviewing presidents of companies. And I'm just a surfer kid who just graduated SDSU, but I knew what I had. I, I knew I had a really cool band with me. And so I sat down and I go, so tell me like, Jay, like I knew Brett Gerowitz's story and I love bad religion. I get it. Epitaph, Pennywise, no effects, rancid. I get it. Interscope blowing up. They had, you know, you know, NWAs and Dre's and, you know, all that stuff was happening for them. <clears throat> 
But Jay Boberg uh, sat me down and, and he's like, he goes, so my experience is, is, is I started a record label called IRS. And I like looked at him. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go, you started that. He's like, yeah. He's all, I'm like, so you worked all the police records. I'm like, you worked all the Go-Go's records, the specials. And I was just like, he's our guy. This guy knows how to break a three-piece because he worked the police. And so I'm like, guys, this is it. This is it. I remember sitting at their old office in Universal Studios and and, and we were sitting in this back room and he treated me like such, like with respect. And, you know, he was probably 15, I don't know, 15, 20 years older than me. And, and so we were sitting there and he's like, we're going to, in their, uh, their A&R guys, Gary Ashley, he's the one that started mushroom records. He was all, he was Aussie. So I'm sitting and I love Australians because I love surfing. And it's just like, <laughs> I, I like have this weird yep. thing. And so I remember like, okay, what we're going to do is, is we're going to, we're going to lay it out first with, um, with dude ranch and damn it. And we're going to like, we're going to make a video for you and, pick your photographers and everything they said they were going to do. They did the way it reacted. They said it was going to react. It did. Mm. And we just listened. And so then we started working. Uh, they, they found some cool video directors and um, this guy, Darren Doan, who I'm still friends with to this day, wrote a treatment for Dammit in a movie theater in Hollywood and which I was in and I was the popcorn guy that's and hot, I got the yeah. girl. Yeah. And you know, that's why the song went huge because I was in the song. You were in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you other songs and videos I'm in. They're all top hits. I'm just saying, but, um, the, the song was, it was in a time when radio and MTV were at the top of their game and a label like MCA had, they had to prove themselves. They hadn't, they didn't really have anything big. Although they've been around, their, their nickname was Music Cemetery of America. So while everyone was going, oh, let's go to Epitaph, you know, Offspring, huge hits, mm. you know, or let's go to Interscope or, you know, some of the Warner Brothers or whatever, we went right. And we're like, well, if we go here and we hit, we'll be a big fish on their roster. Or if we go to Epitaph, well, we're going to bow down to bad religion. We're going to be... We're going to be fifth in row, but I had all the connections. We were touring with all the right bands. I mean, I'm getting calls from <clears throat> no effects saying, Hey, will you, will you even support us at the Hollywood Palladium? Like we had the respect from the right punk bands, hmm. but then we had the power of a record label that was backed by universal that had to prove something. So man like i i I remember the first one uh we have a radio we had a radio station in los angeles that was the most influential station in the country called k-rock k-r-o-q and every weekday night uh at nine o'clock it was called the furious five at nine and they always played the upcoming bands like that's where silver chair was discovered that's where like probably rage against machine and like i mean they were very particular on who they played on furious five at nine they were the tastemakers of radio. <clears throat> Every station copied them. So I'm guessing anything they played in that period on the nightly show was going to make it kind of very thing. possible. Yeah, very possible. So I remember I was like going to bed because I got to bed early. And at nine oh five, I get a call from one of my best friends, Paul Gomez, who was at the time running the team marketing program for Billabong. Calls me. He's all, "Holy shit, dude!" congratulations. And I'm like, what? I hear him driving. And, and he's like, they're playing damn it on the furious five at nine right. on K rock. Jed, the fish, <clears throat> Jed, the fish was the DJ. I was like, Holy shit. That's big. It's like the Holy grail. And, and then, so if you made it on radio, then all of a sudden radio was so hot at the time, all of a sudden, you got 10 ads the next morning from, from all these different stations. Yeah. 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 They, they, and so they would copy K rock and put it on their specialty show. And then it just started going boom, boom, boom. And meanwhile, Australia, um, Oh gosh, what was the radio station 
in Australia, the big radio that you guys have. That's Triple J? Triple J. Yeah. They were already they already played Blink. They were already ahead of everybody. That station is still like that this day. They're so like eager and on the hunt to find the thing that no one's playing at the moment that they believe is going to be the next big thing. That's like the Triple J mindset. Put a word in for sitting on Stacy. I will do. <laughs> I will do. I'll get him over there. Well, and we'll hang out. Um, but that's what happened. And and then all of a sudden, like, hey, we need to make a video. And then, okay, well, all right. So we made a video. We stayed up to like, I remember driving home and the sun was coming up over the Hollywood sign. <laughs> Never forget that. I, I don't know. Two weeks later, I come home. I was working, you know, I was I was managing the band and I was also managing these surfers and these snowboarders and skaters. I can't remember which MTV show it was, but I want to say maybe it was TRL. Mm. There it is, man. Five o'clock. The countdown of the new bands. I didn't even know it was going to happen. Yeah. Blink me too in it. The new, new at number 10. I'm like, and there I am on television, me popcorn guy singing. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture that like a boulder rolling down a, uh, a hill, the band, like you can't stop it now. It just seems like the next thing is just, you know, moving on, moving so quickly. The band was, they were just so much fun to work with that blink, you know, at the time. And, and, uh, it, and then it just started getting so popular. And, and then, you know, then they had to go write their, uh, the next, I think we did Josie, which was the second single. And we had Darren Doan shoot that one too. And we had a actress, Alyssa Milano in it. Yeah. And, and, uh, that was really fun. And a lot of our friends were in that video. And then we had to go, you know, we went tour did the warp tour. I mean, cause I was a promoter. So I, I had, I knew what shows to get them. That was really kind of a key thing. You've got to put them in front of the right kids, right? You've got to put them in yeah. front of the, the people yeah. that are going to yeah. care the most. Yeah, and and having been a you know having been a promoter for so long, I I just knew the tours to get, and and I got us a really good agent, uh, Rick Bondi, and he he was running an agency called the Tahoe Agency at the time, and uh, his assistant who. My daughter is her nanny today. Uh, Corey Martin, Corey Christopher Martin, she books Imagine Dragons, and you know she's a big time agent for Wasserman, and she was Rick Bondi's assistant. And she would like pick us up. We'd go up and play shows in Lake Tahoe, and and Rick Bondi had these cool bands like this band called Sublime, hmm. and the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, and um, Skank and Pickle. He had all the ska bands, <clears throat> so I signed to him because we were the only punk band on his roster. And I, I liked always being in those positions, like being the only one, you know, the agent at the time who had all the best punk bands was like uh, Stormy Shepherd. She booked Rancid and No Effects and Offspring and, you know, and everyone wanted Stormy to book you. If you Stormy booked you, you know, um, but I and on Andy Summers, I take that back. Andy Summers had Pennywise and Bad Religion and Circle Jerk. She was great, too. I offered it to Andy mm. and he passed. <laughs> and he he i saw him a year or so ago he's like man bad <laughs> oh, decision bad. to vote yeah. bad like i tried to tell you yeah <laughs> and uh but then rick retired and then i get uh i got inundated with calls from agencies they were like bribing me and shit they were like that was when i kind of started seeing the the really weird and stupid side of hollywood they're like, oh, find out what he likes. And, oh, he's a surfer. Buy him surfboards or buy him trips to Hawaii and stuff. And I'm sitting here going, guys that I don't even really know, like, hey, man, we'll throw in. And I'm just like, you're a kook. You're a kook. And and then my one buddy who I, who's an agent who I surf with all the time is Daryl Eaton. And he was an, a young agent at CAA. And so I call him up. I'm like, what? You're not going to like, he's like, dude, that's not my style. I wasn't going to do that. You're my boy. And I'm like, you can have him. Yeah, you, you book Blink now. Daryl booked, he's still their agent and he just booked their entire world tour wow. on this run. He, these shows in Australia, Daryl booked. So he owes you. <laughs> at least a couple tacos. I don't look at it like that. You know, I, I, I never look for payback or nothing. I, mm. he, he's a very close friend of mine and, and I'm just very happy, you know, that he's still in the organization because it, it's kind of a little bit of me, you know, because I placed him there, you know. Yep. Um, 
and Mark's managers, I'm stoked too, because, uh, he, <coughs> um, I interviewed him to tour manage us, you know, and he was our tour manager for an awesome tour manager. There's still some, some of like, you know, like things that like, you know, like I like seeing that it's cool, you know, but I'm just happy for everybody. I'm happy for, I'm happy for the fans that they get to see Tom back. I'm happy for Tom that he's, you know, and I'm, I'm happy that Travis and Mark wrote a great record and the tour looks like it's a, it's a big success. And it's just, it's awesome to say that was part of it. And you were a part of it through such glorious years too. Uh, and you had such a big input as well. Do you speak to them much? You still chat with Tom or? Um, you know, not so much uh, anymore. I, I, I stopped working um, with the Blink camp. I think it was in 2019, know, somewhere around there. And we were, I don't know, I posted a photo. If you go on my Instagram. I saw I, it, I, I saw a, it, yeah. Oh, you did? It's a, it's a cool shot. That's in Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that was. It might be in Melbourne or something. Yeah. Um, so I posted that and, and he DM and he was like, well, you know, that was kind of cool. It's like, ah, fun times. And you know, like, but yeah, no, I, I talked to Mark like last year, I ran into Travis, I don't know, a year or so ago, um, with, uh, his now wife It's really cool catching up with those guys. And yeah, man, we're just, you know, I just, I, I'm still working in music and, you know, I'm going different, you know, have different kinds of artists, uh, getting to work with Rome Ramirez has been so much fun and mm. he's such a great producer and I'm excited to get his solo career off the ground. He just announced he's leaving sublime with Rome after 15 years. His new song forever is, is incredible. Like check it out. It's, it's, it's like went viral. It's going to be like the Valentine's day theme song for the United States. What's the title of it? It, forever forever yeah rome ramirez it's like a kind of an r&b blue song and that's the record he's writing with sully right now so i don't know it's 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 really cool and i get to talk to you and i get to have you know i mean i'm 55 now i started doing this stuff when i was 17 and i've been doing music and promotions and stuff for my whole career and and we're now sully you know, he owns a TV studio in Carlsbad and he wants me to produce a music show. And I'm like, I'm going to rip off TRL. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Well, it was, it was big when it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Top of the pops in the UK. Yeah. And, uh, every one that I did with all my bands with newfound glories and blinks and Pennywise, I'm going to, I'm going to take all little bits and pieces of it, package it up. And I'm going to come out with my own little shells. Rick DeVoe, look, thank you so much for all your time. I, I don't think we even spoke about how long the interview would go for, but you just sort of just, <laughs> here we are, we're still here. Thank you so much for I can't believe I time. get to talk about th fun things, and, and I really appreciate you, um, you know, reaching out. Sorry it took a minute. I've been traveling and juggling a lot of things, but I really wanted to do this, and, and I'm always really appreciative when, when I get asked to do anything because it's like, it's so cool. Well, Anyone listening to the podcast right now, you got to go check out Sitting on Stacey. Uh, they're about to blow up, I reckon. They're going to come out to Australia hopefully one day, and I want to be there. I want to be their front row. Help me center. out, man. <laughs> hey, I'll help you at that gig. I'll do whatever because I, I really believe in that band. I just think they're so good. And, Rick, thank you so much to everything that you've done for punk rock, surfing, the whole lot, and bringing great bands to Australia. We thank you. You're the best band. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch up again. We'll talk more Sitting on Stacey and all the other bands you've got next time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I love Australia. There he is. What a great dude. Rick DeVoe on the show. So good to have you on, mate. And when you're out here in Australia, you've got to hit me up. We've got to either get a beer, go to a show, or I'll, I'll just work the door. I'll work the door at Sitting on Stacey. Go and check his uh, Instagram out as well if you want to check out some old photos that he's been putting up lately. Big Dummy Jam is his Instagram handle. All right, it's time for this. Letters. Yes, this is the part of the show. Letters. You write it, I read it. Um, I don't know if you've known, but recently, I tell you what, the YouTube account for this podcast, it's been popping off, uh, largely because I've been uploading. <laughs> People have been telling me that they wanted to see more of the show, so I I sort of bowed down to that and I said, all right, I'm going to pull my finger out, I'm going to cut some video together and make sure that I'm putting 
you know, not just the audio out on Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen, but also having the vision too. So I've put up some full interviews on the YouTube page for the Street Press podcast. You can click the show notes right now and it'll take you there. Uh, But I've been popping up a few shorts, which are like a reels in YouTube land. And I've also got long-form interviews on there now. I've got Jai Alatas. Obviously, we had him on from Below Par Records. Adam Lazara from Taking Back Sundays up there now. The old Foy Vance interview. Got the Will Wagner Smith Street Band episode up there. Plenty on there. If you want to look it up, go and check out the Street Press podcast on YouTube. That's where Phil has written a comment to the Millen Colin interview that I did with uh, Eric. He says, bands are pushed and get hyped when they come out. A few years later, they disappear. Millen Colin, they're still going. The reason is they're a band based on friendship and substance. Their members are sympathetic and kept on earth. They share their success and act in equal rights. Maybe that is typical for Sweden. I've been following them since 1997, and even today I am totally charmed by the band. That is so true. I mean... Behind it all, if you want to have a band that's sustainable and lasts, you've all got to get along. You've all got to uh, be sympathetic to each other, to your fans, uh, and you've got to keep pushing out music, doing the things you love. The minute you stop loving writing music, I think, uh, and not loving each other in the band, I suppose that's when it starts to get into that dangerous territory of uh, is it time to break up, which is the worst thing when you love a band like Mill and Colin. Let's hope they stay together for years to come. If you want to support this podcast, go to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash join. Got to get that right. You can support it for $4 a month. Don't forget, if you don't want to, this podcast will be free forever. As for my band, the Ritza Kids, we are working on two shows at the moment, one on the central coast of New South Wales, the other one in Sydney. Um, I'll let you know when I know more about those shows. And if you want to check out the band, go to theritzakids.com and look for us on Spotify. All right, big, long episode. I apologize. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're still here. Uh, and I hope I get to speak to you again same time next week. Until then, have a great week. Ta-da. Ta-da.